Good morning, everybody. Sorry to hear about your struggles with the train this morning. Uh, I'm Joe Lichty, director of the Peace, Justice, and Conflict Studies program here at Goshen. And it's my pleasure this morning to introduce both the C. Henry Smith Peace Lecture and the lecturer herself, Dr. Laura Brenneman, who is Assistant Professor of Religious Studies at Bluffton University. I'll say first, however, just a reminder that this is an extended convocation. Uh, Laura is not running over time. She was supposed to go to 1045. Uh, let me then do the introductions. First, C. Henry Smith. He was an outstanding, groundbreaking Mennonite historian who taught at Goshen College uh, a full century ago, 1908 to 1913, and then for a long run at Bluffton College in Ohio from 1913 to 1946. He established a trust from which GC benefits in a variety of ways, all of them related to peace. There is extra money for peace-related books in many disciplines for the library, extra money for peace-related activities, for the peace oratorical contest for students, and so on. And since 1975, one of these benefits is that the trust directors grant one award per year for peace-related uh, research by faculty at Mennonite colleges, uh, prin principally Bluffton and Goshen, but not exclusively. This award has done a lot to stimulate research that might otherwise have been impossible, and since its introduction, the list of lecturers is distinguished and the topics have been innovative. And that brings us to today's lecturer, Laura Brenneman. Laura is a biblical scholar, particular emphasis on the letters of the Apostle Paul, having taken a master's degree from Associated Mennonite Biblical Seminary in Elkhart, and then a PhD from the University of Durham in England. Unusually for our CHS peace lecturers, however, uh, she, she has actually been trained in peace work as well. It is more than an interest, more than an avocation. It is something that she is trained in. Uh, so in addition to her master's degree in theology, she has a second master's degree in conflict transformation from the outstanding program at Eastern Mennonite University. That makes her exceptionally well qualified for her second job at Bluffton, which is uh, director of their Peace and Conflict Studies program, and also exceptionally well qualified today to speak to us on the topic of what does freedom have to do with peace? Welcome, Laura. Well, thank you very much, Joe. That was very nice and a uh, warm welcome here um, at Goshen. So, I don't know if um, you folks noticed, but some of you at least got a chance to come in um, hearing um, Janis Joplin in the background singing a song. And um, I was trying to think of a song that would maybe go with um, our, our theme here of freedom. And uh, there's a line in this song, it's actually written by Chris Christofferson, okay? There's a line about freedom in there. You guys know what the line is? I hear some mumbling. We're going to have to get better at talking to each other. Um, freedom's what? Right, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. So you're going to want to think about maybe uh, the ways in which you think about freedom. We're going to do some exercises today about that. Um, and the very um, first thing that I want to do um, is to um, have a little video clip of some of the messages um, some of the things that people think of right away when they um, are asked, what does freedom mean? Okay? So go ahead. 
What is the first thing you think of when you hear the word freedom? Well, to be honest, the first thing that came to my mind was William Wallace in the movie Brave, Braveheart laying on the chopping block, yelling, FREEDOM! Streaking. The ability to do what you want to do, when you want to do it. USA. America. America? I would say the United States. That would be the first thing I think of. I think of liberty. I think of the 4th of July. People ask me, how do I explain what I'm talking about? And I say, freedom is popular. I think of war. Education is the practice of freedom. Teaching to transgress. We will stand and fight and die. A new age has begun. An age of freedom. When I hear freedom, I think of aviation, flight, the wild blue yonder, Yak-52s, and Manfred. An upside-down kingdom. Like, freedom from oppressive government. Jesus. Driving fast. Locals have come to refer to this landmark as the Rock, or Freedom Rock. Okay. I think of Freedom Rise. Look, all they want is one little piece of information. Just give them something, anything. Thank you. But I'd rather die behind the chemical sheds. Then you have no fear anymore. You're completely free. Freedom and fear are at war. Freedom. Um, I think of the book Jesus for President because we talked about it in Capstone last night. I think of no worries, just really carefree. The right to do what you want to do. Every hamlet from every state and every city. We will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and singing the words of the old Negro spirit, though. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Thankful. Revolution. Mm, do whatever I want. Uh, not wearing underwear. <laughs> Freedom. I think of freedom from all the things that hold us back from being the people that God wants us to be. Well, I think of liberty and just being able to do pretty much whatever you want and be able to express yourself in the way that, you know, you think is appropriate for who you are and where you are in life. I think that it's impossible to be free. That even if you are in a free country, if you live in a free country, that upholds the ideals of freedom and liberation, we're all still prisoners of our minds and of society and of the media stereotypes, and that 
the only way to be free is to live in Christ. All right, so those are some examples um, from uh, people around Bluffton primarily and obviously some uh, movies uh, thrown in there um, to basically underscore the point that there are a lot of messages about freedom out there. And um, one of the ways in which um, I got interested in this project actually um, was because uh, right around the time when I was leaving to go do my PhD um, in England, um, it was actually I was scheduled to leave two weeks after um, September 11th, and I did do that. But it was very interesting to be here during that period of time, and then away from my country for three years. And so I kind of observed some of the cultural phenomena um, happening here at a distance. Okay, and so one of the things that really um, came to interest me was how in the world during this time um, it just became uh, fairly acceptable in a very quick, um, very quick frame um, to equate freedom and America. And so this was very interesting to me. So that's one of the things that um, goes on for me with this project. Um, let me give you an overview of what we're going to do today. Um, I'm going to have some questions for you right off the bat, so we're going to try to interact a little bit. And then I want to do a presentation. I want to talk about some of the things um, that I've been finding about freedom, Christian identity, and nonviolence, and sort of the, the linking of those things. I'm going to try to make a case for linking them. And then um, I'd like us to interact um, again um, as a group. So here are your questions. Okay. And what I'd like you to do is to ponder these questions and for a couple minutes talk to your neighbor, okay? Because um, at the end, I mean, I'm saying just a couple minutes, so I want you to think of the stuff that comes right off the top of your head. You're going to shout out some things and we're going to write them up here, at least I will write them up here on the board. So um, here's your assignment. What is freedom? What is the basis for Christian identity? And how do they relate, if at all? So go. Okay, what can you guys tell me about freedom? Just nice and loud, shout them out. First word. Truth. Truth, okay. What else? Truth, that's our list. Choice. Choice, great. What else? Security, okay. Responsibility. Responsibility, okay, very interesting. No barriers. Uh-huh, no barriers, like uh, not wearing underwear, for example. <laughs> Chaos? Yes. Okay. Good. Anything no else? No constraint. Okay. Cool. That's a good list. Anything else? Worked out with others. Worked out with others. Okay. Wow. Here, let's put it here. Good. Being yourself. Okay. Nice. Okay, so we've got truth, choice, being yourself, security, responsibility, worked out with others, no constraint, no barriers. Chaos. Um, there are lots of things. And I would encourage you, I don't know if you have any paper or whatever, but you can jot down your ideas at any point. Um, because I'm not going to write up your answers for this other stuff on the board right now, but what were some of the things that you thought of in terms of the basis for Christian identity? Did you get to that? No. That's okay. 
There's, I mean, a lot to think about just with freedom itself, okay? Um, what I'm going to try to do is to try to actually work through um, these questions. It's, um, I'm doing a mixture of sort of uh, observation from what I see in culture and asking people lots of questions, and then also um, observation in looking at the Bible, particularly um, Galatians. Um, so I got very interested in this um, what is freedom question, and it really seemed to me that the Apostle Paul was actually dealing with that. And um, so I believe he was, he was trying to say that freedom is the good news. It is the gospel message. And so when we think about Christian identity, it is related to this. Well, this seems very different than many of the cultural um, messages that come through about freedom, at least to me. And so this is why I wanted to, to think about these and um, maybe see them, maybe seeing Paul's um, words as a bit of a, a check on how we think about it. Okay, so I've already talked a little bit about my um, personal involvement um, in this project. Um, this quote right here from uh, our president at the time, um, for me, sums up a little bit of, of my feelings about my concern, I guess. Um, he said this on September 11th, and I don't know exactly what time of day, right, but it was very shortly after um, our, the attacks, um, well, what he calls the attacks. Um, freedom itself was attacked this morning. It seems to me um, the word freedom at the beginning is a very interesting choice, right? Like, this is definitely political rhetoric. Um, because what it was, was planes running into the world, trade towers, the Pentagon, and into a field in Pennsylvania. I mean, they meant to go someplace else. But that's what, that's what actually the tangible results of this were, and many, many others, uh, lots of loss. But the, I, the word freedom is a very interesting um, interpretation, and it happened very fast. Um, and it also was accepted very quickly. Okay? So this alerts me to the fact that somewhere, somewhere in the cultural upbringing of U.S. Americans is this very strong undercurrent that America equals freedom. Okay? Now, this is intriguing to me. So, at least part of my, my project has been to examine some of the automatic responses that people give um, when they hear this word um, freedom. It would be very interesting, especially if I had um, a lot more of a sociological background and training to analyze who's saying what, right, and how that influences it. Um, basically, the way I've used this data is to think, um, well, how pervasive are these messages? Okay, basically to check out, all right, am I just making something up? Do I think that this is, um, in fact, based in something? Right, the fact that just sort of automatically a lot of U.S. Americans think country and freedom together. All right, and it turns out, and you probably saw from some of the clips um, from Bluffton, that there is a very automatic response, right, at least for some people. USA, um, Teresa, who was one of the students saying, you know, first I was thinking about the uh, Statue of Liberty, 
and now I'm thinking kind of in a different direction? I mean, that's a very interesting response. Um, I also have looked at some um, of our leaders, like political but also um, opinion leaders, um, and how they speak about um, freedom. I'm not going to get a chance to present all of this this morning, but it's, um, it's, it's an interesting uh, survey to do to think about this stuff. Now, the other part of this project, which I've alluded to already, is to bring my own professional training as a biblical scholar into it. Um, and through professional conversations that I've had, um, I really got interested in the, the question about Christian identity, particularly talking to people who are not Christians, okay? And thinking, well, what does it that makes up Christian identity? My area, area of specialty is actually Pauline studies, so I study the Apostle Paul. And um, even though it, Galatians was not my primary letter of focus, I guess, um, reading through Galatians, it's a short letter. I mean, you could, you could do it in um, less than an hour. Um, he talks a lot about freedom in this short space of time. So that's one reason why this is, Galatians is interesting to me as a text. The second is that um, in terms of Paul's context, what was going on for him in, in that letter um, he was writing it in a very polemical context where there were competing ideologies about what it means to be Christian. Okay? Competing ideologies. And um, he's really trying to win the case. I mean, the Apostle Paul has a really strong ego, and he's not afraid to say, like, this is what I think. And he is really pouring it on in, in the epistle to the Galatians. He believes that there is actually like in the midst of competing claims about how it is to be Christian, he believes that there is a better one, a right one, and he believes his way is the right way. So because of these competing claims about identity, um, this becomes interesting in terms of thinking about um, Christianity and the competing claims that our culture has on us. Okay? So for me... Um, what I found to be in Paul's letter to the Galatians, him talking about freedom, becomes an important check um, in a place and time in which there's a lot of rhetoric about freedom, and some of it sounds really similar. Okay? Similar to things that would just fit right into um, the way most people think about Christian ideology. Okay? Christian identity. And what I want to say is that these that there are competing claims for our loyalties out there. And we need to try to, to be clear about what it is um, that we believe. Okay, so some things that I've heard from people um, <clears throat> is that freedom is freedom from constraints, okay? And we've heard some of that today, too. And here are some of the quotes. Um, I conducted a survey of various people in June and July. Um, these... Folks, I had someone else conduct it so it's anonymous to me. I don't know exactly who said these things, um, but they're people from the Bluffton community. Okay, so you see some things about freedom from constraints. Um, independence, okay, that didn't come out on the board today, but this idea of being independent I found is very, very strong, strongly attached to um, freedom. 
Okay, and that might just seem completely obvious to you. Uh, but it is interesting because it's um, in a lot of ways talking about uh, freedom to be completely autonomous in the world, right? Individuality, very, very important. Um, and that, that is strong, I find, in, in our country, this idea of personal independence and autonomy. Um, it also, I think, is maybe a little bit problematic. Okay? So freedom as a right to express um, opinions without punishment. Okay, so freedom from constraints. Here's um, something that also reminds me of freedom from constraints from Viktor Frankl, um, a survivor of uh, Nazi concentration camp. And he makes a, I think, very interesting point here. Um, you can't take everything away from a person. And for him, this freedom of mind, even if something is happening to the body, is very, very important. Um, and so that, that is an interesting um, quote to me. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. Okay. Um, here are some other things. Right. This, the idea before, freedom from constraints, by the way, is, is interesting because it shows up in a couple of permutations, um, like freedom as an individual. And then there's also this idea that there's freedom for your own kind of people, sort of, okay? So the people like in your group, right? That would be sort of a freedom in community sort of thing. Like the government isn't gonna reach in and tell us how to worship, okay? Or um, free trade, this idea that business, businesses need to be able to, to trade freely. So that's kind of a related theme. It's not complete individualism, but it is a freedom from constraints. Um, this thing about freedom as a right um, is really interesting. And so I think these found founding documents, okay, especially the Declaration of Independence, where um, it, it's clearly stated, it's like in the second or third line, we've got um, that these rights are absolutely inalienable. Okay? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. No wonder. No wonder we start to conflate freedom in America. It's right in our founding documents, okay? That this is absolutely from, you know, the time that we know about these things. So from little on up, it just becomes part of what we breathe, okay? Um, and we see here in the First Amendment also this idea of um, freedom of religion. This is not comprehensive by any um, stretch of the imagination, but it goes some distance to explain why these ideas are so important to us, I think. Um, for me, this ends up being a little, well, a little bit more than a little bit, actually, a lot. Um, difficult. Here, let's see, I think there are also some other survey responses. Freedom as a right. Okay, when we take away someone's freedom, we take away their humanity. Okay, that's that is very strong. And here's another statement which is actually um, challenging that a little bit. And I like this. Um, having the ability to choose important aspects of your life, okay? So this person is talking about, um, you know, this freedom from constraints. So we see a bit of that theme in there. 
but then talking about freedom as a privilege, not a right. And that point, actually, um, was very intriguing to me, especially as we think about how um, the Apostle Paul talks about freedom, the good news of freedom, and that this freedom is actually a gift of grace. Um, In terms of thinking about freedom as a right, there are at least three notions that tend to be conflated, I think, with this freedom as a right idea. Um, That freedom is provided, or at least guaranteed, by my country. Okay, And we get this from our founding documents. That it's provided, or at least guaranteed, um, by the country. That freedom is my right, as ensured by my country, and therefore it's something to defend. Okay, as my right, I must defend it. And I think that that runs really counter, actually, to um, the notion of gift. Freedom is gift. And building on this, that because my country, as opposed to other countries, as opposed to other countries, my country as opposed to other countries, guarantees my right of freedom, then other people who are not in this country are probably jealous of my freedom and will seek to take it away from me. Okay. Therefore, um, we see, and I think this is a quote from Reagan, um, that freedom must be defended. Okay. Um, is never more than one generation away from extinction. We don't pass it to our children in the bloodstream, it must be fought for um, and handed to them to do the same. So we really get this sense that the, our government, our country, is the protector of our freedom. Okay. And so, um, this is something that I want to contend with. Uh, There are some other messages about freedom that um, are not just freedom from things, okay, but freedom to do things. Okay, so freedom to serve others, and we have... um, so Martin Luther King Jr. there, and he has a lot of quotes about this. Some Nelson Mandela. Okay, to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. Okay, so really thinking expansively about um, freedom. Here's some other um, freedom to serve. Okay, you guys know uh, who Rick Warren is, by the way? Yeah. Uh, He could be maybe a little controversial to folks. Um, He's got this, um, I mean, one of my questions would be, this is, I love this quote, um, but in his churches, they're not exactly welcoming of all people. So um, there's some mixed things. And I mean, this is something that is the case with all of us is that we've got mixed baggage in all of us. Um, But this is a great quote from Rick Warren. Acting like a servant is not a popular concept. Um, And I think that's a very true statement. So, in looking at um, the text from Galatians, and actually a variety of, um, a couple of other letters of Paul's, um, I've kind of formulated a thesis statement um, and I find it in Galatians 5, 5 1 and uh, 13 through 14. I'm going to project it up here in just a minute. Um, 
by being set free, believers can live out what they are, a people whose mission is to love, which necessitates thoroughgoing nonviolence. This is um, my thesis. And so this would run um, counter to the notion of freedom as something that needs to be defended. Um, and within this, Paul, it seems, comes at this question of freedom from two different um, angles. One is thinking about what are we free from? And this is a very important thing. I mean, we all naturally go to this question, what are we free from? Um, but he takes another step that isn't always um, natural for folks, and that is to think, what are we free for? Okay. And this is why I think that um, the questions about identity and mission are absolutely interconnected. Okay. How is it that what we're free from then enables us to do what we're free for? So here are those texts I was talking about. I mean, I don't assume that anyone's carrying around a Bible with them this day and age, although that would be great. You could surprise me. Okay, so take a minute to um, read these. For freedom, Christ has set us free. I mean, you might say, Paul, that's really circular, circular, excuse me, circular logic. But it's, I think, a really profound statement. For freedom, this is the ball game. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Okay, and don't now submit to the yoke of slavery. Okay, the Galatians letter has a lot of language about slavery and freedom. And he's, like I said, really in a full-out argument at this point. Um, and then he goes on to name it a little bit more. Okay, um, you are called to freedom. And he acknowledges that it's possible to use the freedom in a self-indulgent way. Okay? And he tries to encourage them not to do this. Only don't use this for self-indulgence, but become slaves to one another, do us. Um, a lot of English translations find it um, a little bit easier to say servant um, in this case instead of slaves. And then he says, for the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The thesis. What you're free from allows you to be free for something. And this loving of another, in fact, becoming the servant of another, is itself freedom, which tends to run counter to our cultural messages of what freedom entails. Um, so there are many things that Paul says about God's wisdom, which is in contrast with the wisdom of the age. Um, he talks about, you know, in verse 8 here in 1 Corinthians 2, um, if the rulers of the age had understood what this good news was, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. Okay, so this is like the linchpin in his case that um, the ways of this world just do not understand um, what Christians are being called to or what the opportunity is. Okay? So this is what he talks about in terms of contrasting um, God's wisdom with many of our, well, his cultural messages, and I would contend our cultural messages too. So what are Christians free from? Now there are a lot of texts um, in 1 Corinthians 15 talking about being free from um, this fear of death, Okay, so freedom from fear, this is huge. 
Okay, I'm going to go a little bit quickly now. Um, at the beginning of Galatians, he talks about being set free from the present evil age, what I have bolded there. And then he goes into some stuff talking about um, what in particular um, the Galatians, the competing things for the Galatians' attention, um, which would be um, Torah. In his letter, he was very um, focused on them not um, submitting to Torah observance. Okay, and it's, it's very interesting to think about, um, but also very complicated. Um, he talks about sin in Galatians. And he talks about, here you might see in Galatians 4, 8 to 9, um, especially in verse 8, uh, things that are not gods. Okay? The not gods. Things that might, and I mean, to extend that metaphor, things that might sound similar to loyalties with God, but are actually not God. And this is, um, I think, something that is really significant. Now, I have a little clip here of um, some of my students doing a little coffee house where they talked about these concepts. It's a transition from freedom from into freedom for. And love, like those things play such a huge, like we're deciding right now that that is, you know, our medium of creating peace and creating freedom, but it almost seems like it's such a huge sacrifice to lay down the tools that we think are mediums of creating that freedom. It's so hard to do the things that shouldn't be that hard to do. It seems like it takes a radical amount of trust Mm -hmm. in something bigger than us to not just be reactionary to things that we think are Like to, to see something happening and say, okay, like we need to stop that, we need to squash that because that person is oppressing that person. So let's get rid of him or her and then everything will be okay. You know, it takes a radical amount of trust to say we're not going to use those tools of force and power to create a, like, a free world. Like, what is that? But then at the same time, like, I struggle with that because it's like, okay. At what point does having a radical trust become disengagement and laziness? Yeah, and like mm-hmm. waiting on something and watching really bad things happen. When does it become counter to our identity? Right, so um, these are the folks, and you heard Andy at the beginning, and then um, Scott kind of uh, musing. Um, at the end, and talking about radical trust, okay, and then he was wondering about, okay, where, when does radical trust become sort of laziness, right? And, and those are very, those are interesting questions. So I wanted to remind you of the thesis text here, freedom for what, um, and then this idea of loving your neighbor as yourself. Um, this gets into the, the concept that they were talking about, the radical trust. Um, how do you do this? How do you trust that other people, um, when you try to love them in this way, are actually going to respect that? Um, that is, that's a big leap. And I would say a couple of ways to understand this is looking at Galatians 3, where it talks about um, how believers actually become something new 
Okay, so the transformation that happens, the freedom from stuff, even includes the things that um, are what make us particular. Okay, and this is um, to some people a fairly offensive um, thing to think about, um, but I think that it's good to be challenged in this way. Okay. Um, the idea that we don't just become all the same, because obviously um, we, as talked about in 1 Corinthians 12, all have different gifts that we add to the whole, but yet those things don't keep us back from doing what we need to do, which is in fact loving, loving well. Okay? So the particular doesn't keep people back. And then Paul talks about what a person looks like when living in the Spirit. Um, here, this is in Galatians 5. The, the verses right before it are talking about what does it look like to walk in the Spirit. And then he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, which, as indicated by the Word, this is something that grows out of a person. Okay? It just naturally happens in walking in the Spirit. Um, and right at the top of the list, right there, um, love. Right? Walking in the Spirit. This is, I mean, that's not maybe a very comforting um, kind of... Uh, cookbook way of talking about how to live out Christian mission. But this is, he contends, the only way to do it. To live in the Spirit, to radically allow yourself to be open to these possibilities. And then these things, these fruits, will just naturally occur, just naturally come. Um, so, some things for you to ponder now at this point. Okay, revisit some of the things that you were thinking about at the beginning um, of the presentation. Right, you can think about them in light of the Galatians passages, and we did a pretty quick overview of that. I'll be um, speaking again tonight if you wanted to go more deeply into it. Um, Think about what contemporary messages you hear lifted up. Um, and what do you think should be resisted? What do you think actually should be upheld? Right? We have choices in this. The messages we hear, we can resist, or we can accept them. And what would you like to take from this? Okay, what would you like to think more about, or what would you like to think less about? Okay, because that's also a choice. Um, when we hear new stuff, it might cause us to think, well, the stuff that I've been thinking about a lot, maybe I shouldn't, I don't need to think about quite as much. So that, that's a freedom that you could maybe have. Um, before you go, I'm going to talk about a little example of, of how I think this can sort of uh, be manifested. Okay, a lot of people like to think in terms of examples. Um, I said that at least one of the motivating factors for me um, in thinking about this project professionally has been my conversations with um, other biblical scholars who are from other faiths. Now, believe it or not, there are plenty of biblical scholars who are not Christian. Um, But this is particularly interesting in terms of um, them being New Testament scholars, I think. And I end up seeing a lot from the text in my conversations with folks like this um, one guy in particular, is, his name is Daniel Boyarin, a Jewish scholar, and uh, we got into some really interesting conversation about Christian identity, and his 
contribution to um, my way of thinking is um, he wouldn't call it a nonviolent ethic, but I really would. Um, his idea is a not-in-charge ethic. Okay, I'm going to write this up. A not-in-charge ethic. Um, and his, his real belief is that um, something that Christians can um, teach Jews is uh, a, an ability to care for the world, to actually think that it's important to care for the world, sort of, even though he wouldn't feel comfortable with the word mission, but this idea of mission. Um, and something that Jews can teach Christians is to um, sometimes just leave people alone, which is interesting. Um, you're supposed to laugh a little bit there. Um, but this idea about not being in charge, I think in terms of a posture for how to love others well, is to accept that we, in fact, are not in charge. Okay, no matter what we're talking about, um, if we're talking to people across differences, I think it makes sense to speak out of your passion, to say what you believe, to say it strongly, to be confident in that. But on the other hand, it's not to be a weapon, I think. Um, trying to um, really convince to the point, like almost um, clubbing someone over the head with your um, beliefs, it's fine to just let go and to say, I'm not in charge here. And this was his point, um, that um, I think Christianity culturally has gotten very used to being in charge. Okay? Um, a lot of folks just without reflection would say, yeah, absolutely, um, the U.S. is a Christian nation. Okay? But it's also a very dominant nation. And if we make the parallel to our personal missional activity of not being in charge, well, then we might need to think about how um, it's important to unsettle ourselves a little bit on the political um, arena, too. Okay? So, um, I think that you guys have been a great audience, and I think that it's uh, time for you to go, probably. So, thank you very much. Is there anything else?